<laughs> yeah. Yeah, what up? Welcome to Flight Black Moon. We about to take you on a journey. Yeah. Weather's looking mad fine, everything's looking smooth. I'm your Captain Buckshot. My co-pilot is DJ Zudi. We have SCWLE on deck. We're about to take you about 31,000 feet into the air. Buckle up, enjoy your flight. Till the week, what we do, welcome down, world life. Each and every individual in sight. Let my man Jewel peep your style, put your card. Then I can converse and take a look at the card. Yo, go hit the brothers with the verse real quick. You show them how you represent the boot camp. You know what they say about brothers who screw face. Upstate, you yeah, may be getting lazy. World life, I ain't gon' bore. Ask my man Buff on the streets, he was tough, locked up, he was sweet stuff. Kid is hot, word the all do. Get the loop from the man at night from my Timberland. Walk with the shot that I bang with, hang with gang, hanging with the double-edged banger. Boot camp clicks, breaking your laws. If you're fake, we go boss a cat. Matter of fact, break your jaws. I'ma bring it to your chest like wind. Then fill your lungs up with all the bull you have within. But I'ma put it back to parlay. Took the weekend, walk town, all we do every day is...
What's good, my good people? Welcome back. It's your boy Ant. You're still tuned in to the Off the Wall podcast. I'm about to get into it right now with my boy Pudgy. Let's go. My boy P. This is P. Brillo. What's good? What's good, man? Welcome to the Off the Wall Podcast. How you doing, my guy? Doing good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm on. Um, I've been looking forward to this, but I just got thrown off a little bit by by your man, Big Game James. <laughs> hey, yeah, I was watching. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I, I had to turn that off, man. I was disappointed, man. Yeah, man, he just uh, he just took that major L, even without Westbrook playing. <laughs> hey, this is bad, man, and it's crazy, man, because that team won all them games last year, and for some reason, this year they can't get it right, and really, all they lost was a reason, and you added Melo, so it's crazy. Looks like a reason was bigger than we knew. Yeah, you're right. I think, like, it's all about chemistry, man. Yeah, man, them boys. I'll be honest, man. They look, they look like they're having some some trouble, man. That, that they're not talking about. Seems like um, their chemistry's off. Yeah, man. I, I I don't know, man. I don't think Melo's happy about coming off the bench either. Hey, listen, man. Let me let me just put this out here. I'm just as big as I'm just as a I'm, I'm a biggest Melo fan. I'm probably a bigger Melo fan than you, bro. Tell me, uh-huh. right? I just don't put it out there like that. Uh-huh. But I'm a loyal Melo fan, and. Ain't no way in hell Melo happy out there like that. Ain't no way. Nah, he's not. He don't even look like it, man. He, he you know, he's usually yeah. smiling when he's playing and everything. I, I don't. I just don't see that happiness in right now, man. I don't know. No, he can't even take a jumper. If he, if he you know, Melo's the king of the long, the long twos. Yep. If Melo takes a long two, he got to look at that Tony and almost apologize, like my bad. He can't play <laughs> like that, man. Nah, you're right, man. And and, and it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know if he's still suffering from because you know last year OKC man he was kind of all off guard. They made him into like a pick and pop player. That's not Melo's game, man. Nah, nah. You can't tell nobody playing Westbrook anyway. Just keep it one hundred. Yeah. I, mean, I love his game. You know he's exciting to watch. He's explosive. But man, you can't win no title with that guy, man. I, I, he's, he's another AI, and I'm a huge AI fan. Yeah. But you know Westbrook, man, bless bless his heart, as they say. <laughs> no title. I can't. I can't see it, bro. I can't see it. I mean, he's he's gonna have to. You know what I'm saying? He's he's gonna have to change his game. You know, pretty soon if he wants to get to that next level. You think it's in him? Do you, you think he has it to be able to change his game and do that? He's. I mean, I don't know, but he's gonna have to if he he want to get to that next level. You know what? He's gonna be a washed up veteran before he's able to do that. I don't know, man. Cause, well, I don't know because you know him and Durant almost had it before Durant changed switched over. Surgeons of Derrick Rose, man. He's been playing pretty good lately. Hey, he's he smoking that good weed out there in Minnesota, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's something, man, if it calmed him down. You know, he went A1 
practice. I don't know, man. But you know, uh, what's what's my man name acting up right now? Out there Jimmy Butler, in Minnesota. Jimmy. Yeah, you know Jimmy Butler look like he sell weed, so. <laughs> <laughs> don't it? Don't, don't Jimmy Butler look like he weed, man? Tell the truth. <laughs> hey, yo, he do like one of them niggas like, yo, after practice, I got you, man. Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, Jimmy Butler, you know, well, hey, man, Jimmy Butler is the NBA weed connect. Tell me. <laughs> but, but nah, man, I, you know, D. D Rose is one of those rare people that, you know, that we'll probably never give his credit for until he's gone. And uh, he really did some things, man. Because, you know, D-Rose came in as an underdog, really. Yeah. And I think he exceeded expectations. Even even with all those injuries, he was able to come back year after year after year. But then, you know, the off-the-court things kind of and, – and the media, you know, the media always do that thing to kind of turn everybody against him. So he never really had a good chance to rehab. And I think now, since he's been off the radar – and you know he out there playing with in the in the land of the lost in Minnesota, kinda. So I think with Jimmy Butler heading it up and, and Thibodeau, I like Thibodeau because he's a hard-nosed, blue-collar type of coach. So I think those practice sessions are, are probably everything that, that was needed for him. You know, that's almost prescription medicine for him. So yeah, man, I, you know, six man of the year. Let's get it. Yeah, no doubt. Especially when he when he dropped that fifty the other night, I was like, man, yo, that's that's the D Rose I miss right now. Yeah, man, I, and I, I don't get all into that crime, man. I, I ain't the happy gay dude, man. You know, like, you know, you know, that's crazy. Let, let me correct that. I ain't gay. I mean, let me, let me, damn, let me say that. Talking about gay, I've been happy, by the way. I, I'm, I'm not that guy. I was happy for that dude, man. But you know, kind of lost some cool points, man. He's crying about it, you know. Hey, but you, you know, like, D Rose, D Rose, uh, he really emotional though, man. He's real emotional. Yeah, dude. oh, you can tell. Yeah, I definitely know now. I, I, I really know now. But I, I like D-Rose, man. He, he's, you know, he's one of them special guys, man. That talent, you ain't going to see that talent always, man. If you really go back and look at that dude's highlight True. and how he put the Bulls on his back, it's like, man, that, that was the reinsurgent of the Bulls. The front office just couldn't get it right to get him the proper help. You know, they kept getting him the wrong people. And, and, I don't know, man, he needed some people to run off some screens on and some knockdown three-point shooters, I thought. But. Yeah. What, what, man, what happened to Ben Gordon? It's like, he just fell off the face of the map one year. Like, that was it. Like, Ben Gordon. Man, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, ben Gordon got lost in Charlotte. Then he got lost in, in Detroit, I think. And then, did he go to the D-League for a minute? I, I ain't sure, man. But I, last thing I heard of him, he was getting dunked. I think he was getting dunked today on uh, the Breakfast Club because something about he didn't want to pay his rent, man. He didn't want to pay his rent out there in L.A. I'm like, good God. Like, that's- hey, man, how them dudes go broke, man? I mean, bro, I've seen people lose a lot of money. I, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars myself, business-wise. But how in the hell are you losing millions, bro? Hey, man. I, it's a big mismanagement of funds, bro. Big mismanagement. Millions, fam. Man, millions for that many years with, with no tax problems. I'm saying you had some tax problems, but, bro, you ain't. Yeah. That, you got no IRS problems, man. You don't want to pay your bill, bro. Something wrong with you. And it was like an apartment complex, too. It wasn't even a house. I don't, it was It was kind of Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah like, they say you trying to fight this lady, too, man. You're trying <laughs> to fight this lady, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Big, big even like 5'9", like, you can't. You can't be the big black man if you're 5'9". <laughs> I, 
Yeah, you're but... five nine. Like you know, you try to storm on a little. Like I ain't paying my bills. Like, <laughs> hey, you can't be too tough. And and you know, they ain't gonna scare too many people at five nine, bro. I'm just saying. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That that was crazy, man. Did you? I think you. If I'm not mistaken, you a Carolina fan too, right? Oh yeah, man. I'm I'm a, I'm a super Carolina fan, but I need a pass for this year, old boy. I'm gonna just keep it one thousand. Now, now, I ain't talking about the Panthers. I'm talking about um Tar Heels, uh, the college basketball. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, you know what I was getting at though. I was just being a little prelim about it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Carolina fan, but, you know, we about to see something special this year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's the same thing I say. I'm a Carolina fan, too, man. But, hey, that boy Zion out of there. What, what you feel about that debut, man? Hey, man. Okay, let me just say this, first of all. Kentucky is going to be the first Myself, man, and, and was Zion as good as advertised to you? Yeah, man, he was to me he was better than advertised because I well I know his pop, and when I was living in Spartanburg, his his, his stepdad, I guess it's his stepdad because I ain't never seen no Zion Williamson back then. But this man, you know, he played with he played at Clemson, and he you know he trained kids, and I think he coached at Spartan High, and you know he, he a hard nosed dude. Like he had his young son, his other son in the gym, like, really getting right. He wasn't that good, but, you know, he coached him better than what he was. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that was his coach, you know, his father was his coach, or that was his stepdad, I'm like, you know, everybody was talking about the dude was fat, and, you know, he's lazy, and he ain't gonna do this. I'm like, y'all have no idea. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all really don't have no idea. And when he got to Duke early, and he worked out in that preseason camp, and uh, when he debuted, what the show with his body looked like, you know, after just two months of training, I said, man, y'all, it's going to be something scary right here, man. This dude, but to answer your question, yeah, he, he was better than advertising me. I think I think we, we're getting ready to see the emergence of a, of a type of player that we've never seen before. Forget the next LeBron. This is probably going to be the first Zion. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man, because, like, I, I don't understand the hate. I don't know if this is how people was when LeBron came out, man, but I'm like, I don't understand how you could even – People can hate or even downplay this, man. Like, Zion is like 6'7", 285, running the court. He, I'm like, they said he couldn't shoot. He's showing you the jumper. He in and out. He beating people off the dribble. Like, this is crazy. But you know you know what, man? And you're right. But it, see, here's something about that NBA game that, that people who ain't either played with no NBAs or, or really don't know what that level is about. It only takes one dribble. And somebody's been coaching this man and that, like, by the time he triple threat and he takes a dribble, he's in the air. Yeah. He's... So, if he can shoot 30%, he's a double. 
second in the NBA game. So, I mean, I, honestly think, I, I don't know what everybody's saying. Yeah, I honestly think he is better in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? I do too, because he's going to have that space. Yeah, like, that's, that's, I honestly think he's going to even be more scary. And it's like, you, you can't stop him. Like, he's easy to get past you. He's jumping over you, or like you said, beating you off the dribble. Man, we we ain't never seen nothing like this. Hey, let's keep let's keep it a buck. Yeah, this yeah. This man, I, yeah, I, I saw this man take off in the, from the dotted off vertical. Mm. I ain't never in my life, man, seen nobody do that. Not even Vince Carter yeah. from the vertical <laughs> at two eighty five. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you, you right, man. I think I might need that pass this year, too, man. Cause this, this, I need the pass. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I need the pass. I'm going to let all my Carolina friends know because I know we're going <laughs> to sit here hating ass talking about we true Carolina fans. I ain't trying to hear all that this year. Y'all can go to hell with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no doubt. And Barrett is just as good. Like, Barrett, yo, he he's so seasoned out there, man. Barrett looks real good. Yeah, Barrett, Barrett's already a pro, though, man. That's, you know. Yeah, people got to be honest about that. On, on the level he's been playing at, on the international level, Barrett was already a pro. Yeah, him, him and Zion are, are definitely pro game. Their game is already ready for the pro already. Yeah, yeah. Barrett playing at Duke to me is equivalent to Lamelo Ball going back to high school now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he gonna play pro ball, international, semi pro ball, and then be like, yeah, I'm gonna go catch that uh, senior year. And uh, I'm gonna go join the team. It's like being 30 in, in high school, man. He gonna drop them off. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna drop their ass off. Watch for Lamelo Ball do this year. <laughs> hey, yeah, he probably gonna kill over there in high school right now, man. Do you think? Do you think he makes it to the NBA? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Cause he, see, he, see, he already plays like a pro. And you know, if, if people can get off that, that watching basketball like you on somebody nuts, yeah. and actually watching for the skill. This this dude's already a pro. Actually, the other brother, what's what's the middle kid name? Too? D'Angelo. D'Angelo. D'Angelo plays like a pro too, but there's so much hate they're not going to give him the opportunity because they hate to say Levar is right. Yeah. But but that kid shoots it like a pro too. Oh yeah, he's a pure and shooter. To me, he was no better than the top twenty picks that were taken. I mean, it's still a gamble. You don't you don't score fifty international, man. You don't you don't drop. What he dropped forty seven points one time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Come on, that, that's that's hard to do, man. Yeah, you're right. And, that's, he, that's he, and he's a pure shooter too. Like he's the best shooter out of all three of them boys. Yeah, and he like six six. Yep. He's big, and, and I didn't know the boy could really shoot it like that. I, I thought I said, Nah, he ain't gonna make it because he don't have a jumper until I see him light it up. I said, Oh yeah, you can take a you can take a gamble on a kid like this in in this era of the NBA. You know, 15 years ago he wouldn't have made it, but now why not? Like, why not get a chance? Yeah, no doubt. I, I definitely, I definitely think if he would have stayed at UCLA, he would. I think what might have hurt him was when he went under the yeah. with his with his pops. Yeah, that that killed him. And, that killed him. And then, because, and then who his pops is? A lot of people trying to hate on that. So they they I probably think people thought that they didn't want to have a headache coming in there. Right. So like Lonzo did at first. So. Oh yeah, and, and and you know what's crazy? Like Lavar was almost prophetic, man. I mean. Yeah. And they'll never get a man his props. I mean, and, and it's obvious why. I mean, you know, a good black father, yeah. uh, um, not really controversial. You know, all of his controversy has really been a mastermind media plan or media play. Word. I mean, you know, let, let's be honest, like Sports Center or or, or uh, Disney, they've never had 
any no-name, really, no-name father or business owner. Let's just take it for, let's look at it from that standpoint. They never had a no-name business owner on ESPN and featured on, featured them on all their daytime shows who wasn't already a, a huge brand. Right. It, it, it was like an eight-hour uh, BBB marketing promo, no you know? And that's brilliant. Like, who who do you know that's done that before? And nobody. Nobody. He's really opened the door. <laughs> if if Zion's people, I don't know like who his team is around them, but if, if they're up, if they're hip on the things, like they can they can eat the market up once Zion comes out this year, off of the groundwork that Levar Ball did year before. That's right, man. That's right. And and Zion might be the next coming. Because, you know, the NBA just redid those contracts, and now they're getting ready to do it again, those television contracts. Zion might be the first person to break the bank again in terms of advertising. Like, LeBron did it. Yeah. Zion might be the one to break it again, because there should be a bidding war going on for this man real soon. If it's not already under the table. <laughs> I'm sure it is, man. I mean, everybody knows what's, what's going down. I know somebody that wrote the check. It is what it is. Yeah, no doubt. You know? Now, now, let's switch, man, because like I was telling a lot of people, man, you like one of the friends I know who, you know, voting just happened. You know, we just went through the voting, the midterms. Yeah, man. Um, Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it's our duty to vote because, you know, I say, you know, the backstory, of course, our ancestors fought real hard for us to have that right and that privilege. Right. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not talking about nobody else. I'm talking about myself. I did. I did vote, um, even though, ugh, like, only three candidates. I really knew what they stood for. Um, I, I won't say. I won't say their names up here. Um, but the rest of them, I was kind of lost. It felt like I was. I don't know. I think I did. I think we. Do you think we need to do more due diligence on the candidates that's running instead of just doing? Because we know how majority of social media is. They just wanted to get up there with our voter sticker, and they just want to vote with straight Democrat ticket, and not knowing what the hell nobody stand for. Yeah, you are. Uh, I mean, man, you you know I'm a black Republican, and and I could thank Democrats for that. Actually, I'm a registered independent, but you know, mm-hmm. and I always tell people, you know, when I when I first started putting this stuff out on social media, it was pretty close to what we see is going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with people talking about Brexit, and I just wanted to force people to think. So. You know, I kind of did it in stages, and, and I'm going to get to your question in a sec, but right. I was kind of doing it in stages where when I first introduced politics to my group of people who were non-political, <laughs> you know, for the most part, street people, yep. athletes, yep. you know, cool people that who, who just like to kick it, ex-dope dealers, and, and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was kind of my group of people. And uh, when I was trying to introduce it, you know, I was looking at it from an angle of the black perspective. But when you do things that are not status quo and you don't do it from a Democrat perspective, people become tuned in. Right. And um, I think that's kind of what happened. But, you know, by, by people knowing who I am, you know, I'm not somebody you could just look at and be like, oh, yeah, here or you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not somebody you could just be like, oh, yeah, man, he had it all his life or or look at this clown, like, you know, I don't wear none of those banners. I, I refuse to wear those banners, and and, and most people know me, yeah. so you're not going to come at me no any kind of way neither. So you got to at least entertain what I'm saying, and and if you really 
you know, if you really hold any truth about yourself or you have any, any respect for yourself, you would, you would study some of this stuff and, and uh, do your research for yourself. Which brings me to your point. Um, I didn't vote this time. You know, I had to make a quick, quick trip to Tennessee, um, a business trip. I didn't have time. And, and to be honest, um, like you, there are only a few people who I felt like were representing my, uh, um, I, w- I won't say my, my morals. I, I, don't, I don't like to say my, uh, my positions, but my best interests or, or the people that's like me. And, and the people that I feel like are near and dear to me. So I, I, I didn't vote either. Shout out to Mark Walker and a few other people that I really, really rock with in D.C. that I know actually represent the people that I know get things done. So I, I'll shout them out. But, you know, there weren't many people out there that I felt like um, who were individualists, man. And, and, it, and it seems like it's a one big spade game right now. And it's like us against them yeah. and... Trump is the narrative, and anti-Trump is the other narrative, and you got to jump on one of those trains. Now you got to jump on an anti-Trump train, or you got to jump on a Trump train. And and truthfully, I'm not anti-Trump, but I just don't like the man. So you know, I took a hiatus from lobbying. Um, I got offered to work for the man a bunch of times, and I don't even like going into all this stuff because it feels like bragging. But I'm just saying, if I wanted to be at the table, I could have been at the table, and I just don't appreciate the narrative that he brings and the people who turn a blind eye to the, the, the way that he acts and how he carries himself. You know, those are the same people that were saying Obama's not dignified or, or Obama's not decent based off of his, his principles and his voter record and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, yeah, like, like you're saying, man, to me, I, I know it's our, our, our duties to vote. I understand the importance of it probably bigger than, than 99% of the population I you um, too. being involved, you know, but when people don't represent you or you don't feel like people are representing your best interest, I don't see a problem with taking a hiatus because it's better that you don't vote for those people and you can say, I sat this one out because I didn't believe in them. And I'm looking for a candidate who, who can step up to the plate and, and really represent me or you be that person. You know, you throw your name in a hat. You go around and talk to other people and say, hey, you know, I know everybody voted for this guy because he was an R or a D, but he don't really represent us. So somebody from the fabric needs to run and we're going to support you. And we don't have enough of that. Exactly, man. And, and, and I try to tell, like, a lot of people in my circle, I'm, I'm really more bigger on the local elections, man. To me, honestly, I right. think it's time for Bruce Rose to get the hell up out of here as mayor. Um <laughs> It's it's like you know what I'm saying I, I done moved, I didn't lived I done came back and forth from the Wilson like it's like he been the mayor since I was like probably born man and um yeah I went to Rocky Mountain recently yo and it's crazy that I say that cause I know a lot of people online they they see me always talking bad about Rocky Mountain but shout out to Rocky Mountain I <laughs> but I went to, I took a trip to Rocky Mountain do you know they like revamping that whole city man like really in a couple of, I think they gentrify Rocky Mount and I think in like in a couple of years Rocky Mount is really going to be the place to live yo it's a lot of changes that I see wow. that's going on and I'm like hold up now how did Rocky Mount is about you know say outdo us now and all we care about is getting new family dollars and <laughs> fast food restaurants and like we don't have no real economic change especially in the downtown area they've been trying to get the downtown area popping for a minute and they're not but they about to build they about to build a whole new BB&T downtown it's like for what I, I just I just yep. don't I don't get it. 
I, I don't get it either, man, but I, I do know how it works. And you know what's fascinating about Wilson is that they treat Wilson, it, 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 it's, man, it's spectacular, really, because Wilson is almost, all right, look at Brooklyn, right? Right before the Brooklyn Nets rolled in there, right? Right. Man, <laughs> the property value in that area where they built that stadium I, the last I checked, it was seven times the value after the Nets bought it. Yep. Seven times the value. And I know it's probably done double from that. It's just like San Francisco did with row houses and, and all of that. Like, I, I know people who inherited homes in San Francisco right on the outskirts of the downtown area before the Silicon Valley took over San Fran, right? They basically took it, right? So before that happened, um, I think one friend of mine, that, their crib was like 250 you know, that their mom left and they didn't want to live in it. You know, they had a nice $900,000 home or whatever. So anyway, you know, they, they moved east, sold the house for like 400000 In 18 months, their house is worth $2 million. Mm. So now, Wilson ain't doing those kind of numbers, man. But if you look at the growth of the outskirts of Wilson, just like those of like the Silicon Valley, it's happening in Minnesota, places like that. Now it's happening in Indianapolis. The inner city is going to happen in Chicago. It's happening in Detroit, which is why all these celebrities are going in and buying these houses on the inside. Yeah. Like, there's hustle to that, man. There's game to that because what's going to happen is they're either going to get a sports team, it's going to get a new arena, something big is going to come, or the value is going to drop so low in those houses that the, the, the people on the outside is going to come buy them up and they're going to build there. And like you say, you know, gentrification comes in, bigger houses value goes up, they clean it up, they throw school in, and before you know it, you've made money. And that's what I see happening in Wilson, man. It's like the whole east side, you know, from the, the what, 600 block of, of, of uh, vets and, and back to, across the tracks all the way down to, to Ward Boulevard, I think that is, mm -hmm. uh, by the, the worst McDonald's in the world, I agree with you on that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> from the dog big area all the way over that I've never seen it that huge where they're just allowing it to die. Like they're really allowing the whole city to die. All these bodegas are there. You know, property value is just on a, on a major decline. Right. And it's really for the taking. So, you know, eventually, all these people that live in Wilson in these areas, man, they're going to lose those homes or they're going to die off or they're going to move. They're not going to want it. And then someone's going to buy it up. Uh, a la BB&T and they're going to build new homes and people are going to move in and then it's going to go up in value. So, you know, I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, man, if, if people in Wilson, and, and no disrespect to my Wilson folk fam, but I, I wish I had the time and the energy to deal with the people that need to be involved, but I don't. But we almost need to start a co-op financial group where 20 of us, 30 of us, 50 of us you know, put two to five hundred thousand dollars together, go buy up all these properties, and just sit on it. Yeah. Just sit on it, because if BB&T is building a, a a bigger model, you know, of what they already have, I mean, <laughs> the bigger building in Wilson right now, ain't it? Yeah. they're going to build a bigger one. There's a reason for that, and there's also money in the city when where there are banks, there's money. So you know, you really got to look at that BB&T move and, and ask yourself. You know, how can I get down and figure out a way?
and it's got to be real estate. Mm. Yeah, you you right because a lot of stuff on the east side is dirt cheap right now, dirt dirt cheap. Um, it is man, nobody paying attention. The whole Powell Street, yo, we probably could buy Powell Street, man. Me and you, like for real, we yeah. probably could go in there and 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 get the loans that we need or the line of credits that we need and buy a Powell Street, right? But then who's gonna maintain it? Yeah, you're right. right? And, and we're gonna take an L eventually, and then after we take the L. How long before the city gonna come in and tell us they're gonna condemn our properties? And so you gotta, you know, you have to deal with that whole game that the city plays, right? And they, and do it everywhere because they're gonna want you to let it go. They're gonna want you to lose it so they can take it over or somebody else who has interest in the property to come buy it up. So you gotta play that game. And Wilson's bad with that game. Then I try to do stuff for Wilson, and and I told my wife I wouldn't say it, but I try to do stuff for Wilson on the federal level, on state level. And and I don't even live there, man. It's just the love that I have for my city. Yeah. And Wilson is locked up, bro. When people start talking about gatekeepers, Wilson is is the prime example of gatekeepers and 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 in words who has position and a little bit of a little bit of granted power, and they don't want to relinquish it to the next up and coming. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I agree. I think that's a reason why we don't have a lot of new stuff. Like as far as um, even as far as the inter, you know, the inter late night entertainment business. You you know they yeah, say right. one person controls that over here in Wilson. Um, Absolutely. It, it's, it's just crazy. I don't understand. It's like enough money to me. I think for everybody to eat, but for some reason they want to monopolize that whole genre on that side of town. And, and, it's and they got it. Yeah, and they got it. They they do it. <laughs> they really do it. Like yeah. I, I don't see nothing else. It's about every other place to try to come in and bring something. They don't last. And, and they have and they have actually better facilities than that one. That man, that place, and they don't last. It almost makes you wonder if if that individual or some group of individuals had something on someone that matters, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder. Otherwise, why do, why do they even pay attention to the man? And, and, and truth be told, the facilities that these people manage, they shouldn't even be allowed to yeah. have a business license based on their past. You're right. As a business owner. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some shady. Ugh, it's some shady stuff in Wilson, man. You're right, man. And and then but back to that voting thing. Um, I hate to even go back to it, but I just, I just got to ask your, your input on it. Do you think... That a lot of us, especially here in the South, I lived a lot of places, but I noticed, especially here in the South, we, we was trained and conditioned by our grandparents and parents to just like just vote straight Democratic. When I went up there to vote, it's somebody, it was somebody out there I'm like, oh yeah, this is who you need to vote for, a straight Democratic ticket. I'm like, yo, how you gonna tell me who to vote for? You know what I'm saying? Like, they outside of the polls in the black neighborhoods, like telling you, oh yeah, this is what you need to do. Yes, they, 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 they all do it, both, both sides, right? And, and, it's just the exposure is just based on, you know, your demographics, like where, where you are, you know, where your polling place is. Mm-hmm. But they all, they all do it, man. They all do it. It's just sad that, you know, we can only speak from our perspective, you know what I mean? And, and it's just sad to me. Yo, here's a, I, so first of all, I, I think that's wrong, right? But right. here's a bigger question that I would challenge everybody to ask themselves. And I'm not even going to name names, but I, I would ask people to do their homework. You know, how is it that Eastern North Carolina 
remains to be one of the, if not the poorest, right? It's been between the poorest and the fifth poorest congressional region in the nation. Right. right. <laughs> How does it continue to do that with all the businesses and infrastructure that we have, all the universities, all, I mean, if you just want to talk entertainment, all the pro athletes or, or pros in general, professionals that have come through there in general, why and how do we continue to be the poorest congressional district? And why in the hell haven't we changed that? Hey. You know, you talk about voting straight ticket. So it, it, <laughs> is it that we're continuing to vote for the same people that are doing the same things and we're expecting a different outcome? We all know what that is. You're right. This is, hey, this, it, what you're saying is exactly what I tell my boys, man. And, and it's, it's crazy. And I, I get them to even look at it from this standpoint. Like, I'm not Republican or Democrat. I just believe in if, if you know if I'm saying if, if the person is speaking to something that I believe that's gonna benefit the people or benefit situation certain situations, that's I'm a ver- I'm a vote for them. Um, but, but, but hold that that see that's where the system is flawed and that's how I end up that's why I didn't do an absentee ballot. This is why this is where the system is flawed because see as an independent they're gonna ask me when I go to vote which ballot would you like. Right. I can't vote for a Democrat over here, a Republican over there. I can only ask for one ballot. You know what I mean? And then if it's somebody, if it's more people on the Republican side that I want to vote for the Democrat, I got to ask for a Republican ballot. And then those Democrats that I like can't get my vote. Right. That's where the system is flawed. That's where the game is rigged. And that's why I start focus, stop focusing so much on 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 the political parties because I work for both parties and I work with both parties and I work with Obama, all of that. So you know, I hear people yapping, but I've been there, so I, I really don't pay that shit no attention because it's can. different when you see it first person. You dig exactly. But you know, it, what's crazy is so that's where the system is flawed, and that part is never going to change. So when people say, and it's going to sound crazy coming from me because I'm a huge proponent of the voting, right? But when people say my vote don't count, it's almost true. They're looking for the swing vote. Yo, the numbers the numbers go like this. Forty seven and a half percent of Democrats and Republicans are gonna vote Democrat and Republican. Right. right? There's another three percent in the middle that are independents and they're looking for the swing vote. They already know the Democrats are gonna vote for Democrats. They know Republicans are gonna vote for Republicans. They're really not looking for the point five percent of of, of cross-party voters, the me's and the use who might be registered Democrats that we say, you know what, we're going to vote Republican that time. They don't even consider those. They're looking for the small percentage of independent that they can swing vote, and, and that will make the big difference for them in terms of congressional races and really all races, but the major numbers comes in terms of, of, of Congress and, and things of that nature. But you hit the nail on the head when you said you focus on local elections because that's where we can make the most impact. No doubt. That's where we can hold people's feet to the fire because they have to be there. They can't say that I'm in D- I'm in DC this week. They need to come to your town halls in your community. They have to they have to answer your phone calls and your letters. And it's always best to keep a letter because it, you keep a record of that. And they have to keep a record that said they responded to your letter. Right? They have to do that. Mm. And they're not gonna have too many times where they drop the ball, but our problem from our communities, we don't hold their feet to the fire, and then there's too many people that are like us that we love, and there's, there's family and that we hold near and dear to us, 
that make excuses for them when we try to hold their feet to the fire. So we can never rally in large groups and hold people accountable for the things they don't do. Right? It's always going to be a discourse there. It's always going to be an argument there. And that's why we, why we continue to lose and we're not really as empowered as we think we are. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm so way more bigger on the local elections than the, you know what I'm saying, all this other stuff. And and, and to me, like your point, like you said, how Eastern North Carolina has remained to be the poorest area for so many years. That's what I don't understand. So why so people so so gun ho voting Democrat when like we've been doing like this for years and nothing's changed. Like I don't understand why people don't see that. Like nothing's really changed, yo. Shit, that power bill debacle would have been enough for me, right? If I was yeah. living there when, when they made a fucking error on on a contract with the power companies that allowed them to basically mark the power bills up 400%. You man, that Listen, was crazy. man, if my fucking congressman, bro, let me let me relax. <laughs> let me relax, right? <laughs> if, if my congressman don't, don't respect me enough to even come to my district, and talk to us in person about these power bills that they, they even, bro, it was so bad that Wilson Energy had to change the way they allow people to pay their bills. They started letting people make payment. Yeah. Like, yo, if they change the structure in the way they allow people to pay bills, the energy companies ain't got no love for you. So if they allow you to do that, they know they were wrong. They know it from the door. And your representative never came to the city and, and, and had a big meeting about it to at least fucking suck your job and make you feel like he doing something. But yeah. y'all motherfuckers out here still like, yo, we need to vote for him? How? Why? Yeah. Like, I, what's wrong with people? And I'm telling you, it, you, that's why I tell people don't get caught up in the social media because a lot of, and I'm and, and a lot of y'all that listen, I'm not saying nothing like, and so your intelligence enough, but a lot of y'all really don't understand what's going on. You just... A lot of people were just jumping on this thing. Yo, we need to vote. Y'all thinking that. But a lot of people is the same way. You didn't... I'm, I'm guaranteeing you about 80% of our friends on, on online didn't know who the hell the candidates were or what they stood for. But they just said, oh, we need to vote. I need to get the sticker. I'm voting straight Democrat. I don't care what they stand for. We don't know what they're doing for the black community. No nothing. We don't know their plans. No nothing. But we voted Democrat. Man, I know, you, I know you're right, bro. I Listen... I've lobbied bills that I've been supportive of and not even know who the hell the candidate was going to speak on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've had people that, you know, call up my group, like, we, we write this bill, and this is how the game works, too, in case y'all didn't know. <laughs> like, these people don't come up with these bills. People like me and, 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 and other people out there who really understand politics and some people that are, that are way more talented than I am, they come up with these bills, and they, they buy them from us, basically. And then they put them on their website, they learn a few talking points about it, and then they go sell it to you because, see, political figures are just the best salesmen. That's all. Yeah. Like, there's very few of them who, who really embrace and are engulfed in what they can do. Like, if you look at Donald Trump's website, I'll go back. Yo, looking at his website and the things that he said he wanted to do, especially from a business standpoint, yo, it was dope. It was killing him. We've never even seen no stuff like this. And, and that has a little bit to do with why the economy is thriving. A, a little. The other part is billionaires never sell each other. But that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Right? Right. So if, if you looked at his policies, his policies were, were sound as hell. But when you listen to the man open his mouth, he sounds like a fucking imbecile. Yeah. Like, uh, 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 you know, and, and this is our president, man. 
and the, and the world is watching this stuff. So you you know you're right. You you're one hundred percent right, man. I know that people don't understand what's going on because those of us who are working in Washington and and, and the people that are around, they don't understand what's going on either. Like I remember talking to Kay Hayton, man. I remember talking to people staffers, governor staffers, and 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 people that didn't even like the person they were working for, man. If, if if you recall, we had, we had a governor that that they had to pull out of the bed at four in the morning and declare a state of emergency. Man, she had an overgrown sweater, her makeup was bad. She looked like the Joker. That's <laughs> not by accident. These people are polished. They don't. You ain't gonna see them out of order like that. Like when your own people got you in front of the the media, you know, and and you're declaring a state of emergency and you look like a fool, you know, physically and and yeah, come on, man. You, you got to know this by design. That, that's not by accident. Because everything happens on your time when you're the top dog. Right. Correct. You're right. You are definitely right, man. Do you, I, I, it's just, that this whole political game is just a whole different animal. I think that the average um, conservative person doesn't really understand how it, it works. And um, they just think it's just, they just see blue and red. And I, I really don't understand how that whole infrastructure started, but I, I, I'm going to lay off off that. We're going to get up off the politics for a minute, man, because it, it is, it's, a, it's a not enough. A lot of people can't wrap their heads around what's really going on, man. That, that's real. If I could, though, let me, let me make one more point, bro, and, right. and, and I'll let it go. Let's go. Like, if, if we, we got some nerve, man, and, and I'm just talking about the populace in general. Like, we, we have some nerve to sit there and we talk about these kids out here, and 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 you're going to feel this, man. You're going to really feel this, but I, I challenge people to really think about what I'm saying for a second. I mean, really sit down. You know, forget that it's me. Forget that you disagree with me 99% of the time or, or that you love me or hate me or whatever. But just really think about this. Like, we have some nerve talking about these kids and how they how they succumb to gang violence and how they throwing up this and they, and they repping this flag and they fighting over colors and all this stuff when we virtually do the same thing over politics. Right. Like, we're, we're a lot of us adults are gangsters over politics and, and, and here's the proof, like, if if your uncle said he hated Obama at a family reunion, he'd fall out with 50% of the family, if not more, probably to never speak to him again just because he said he didn't like Obama or he said he was a different political affiliation than, than most of y'all, the rest of y'all. You're right. People will literally fall out with you over that and will fight you over that. You, you start talking politics to people who are, who are overtly uh, uh, um, emotional about it. You know, you start talking about politics to them, we're ready to fight you, man. I mean, we'll cut you off or have nothing to do with you never instead of being able to agree to disagree and move along because it's really about the love of people. All things should be about that. And politics is supposed to be the benefit for and of the people. So we got some nerve talking about these kids, man, when we give them a prime example when we start talking about politics. And we never reel it in. These kids will correct their lives and they'll reel it in and they'll go on and talk about the things, the challenges they had when they were banking. Meanwhile, we're talking about them and, and we carry it to the grave. And, and if I had one wish, man, that's something that, I wish I could change in people that, that we could disconnect. And I know it's impossible, but if we can disconnect some of the emotions behind these politics and the people when they have differences, we'd be a better off people anyway. 
No doubt. <laughs> I definitely agree with you right there. Because everything you said, that, that does happen. It does happen. People, it's crazy, man. People look at, especially in Obama's time, boy, people look at you sideways. If you even question, now you, you can you ain't even say you don't like him, but if you question something that he did or said, yo, you 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 probably like, you looked at it as Trump in your family. Yeah, he got knuckle up. Yeah. That's like it's crazy, man. But um Oh man, this is I really want to get into where I know P from. And let's go where it started at the essence, man. Wilson, man. By the way. By the weight, man. I'm that what in what area would you like where where you grew up at? What neighborhood you grew up at? Maplewood, Maplewood, the corner of Maplewood is that. Oh man, yo! You so know you was right in yeah. the danger zone back in the days, man. I tell, used to tell people, man, Maple was a danger zone, man. Yeah, we set the tone. We we was the junior Maplewood boy. Like, <laughs> we, we really owed cheese on that block. Like we, man, I think, man, man. Yeah, Maplewood, Maplewood definitely was one of the craziest. Craziest spots in Wilson, man. For uh, for a lot of y'all youngsters, y'all didn't know, man. Maplewood wasn't the place that would play around it, man. Yo, shout out to a lot of dudes who used to come through Mix. Man, I I, mean, I see y'all on social media, man. I, I'll tell y'all story though, but I see y'all, man. Like, you know how many L's I took on Maplewood before I could really learn how to fight till I really got nice. Everybody was older than me too. I used to get my ass killed. <laughs> but you know, something something happened at about eleven years old. I got nice. And it was crazy. So then I, I was a set off kid. Like everywhere we went, like Pete set it off. And you know, it just it just got kind of nuts from there. You know, probably turned into a little bit of a maniac. But you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people, man, who used to run through Maplewood, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I, hey, yo, I believe. It. I, uh, I said I believe it. Yeah, man. I I see people cutting behind frozen food like a bad people. People used to come through there running, man, you know. Shout, shout, shout out to everybody, though, man. I apologize to a lot of y'all. <laughs> but, hey, you know, but, we done grown up, man. That's all. Yeah, you, you, but would you really, would you say that back then Wilson was a little bit, as far as the neighborhoods we all came from, do you do you feel like there was more, um, it, your neighborhood was like a family back then when we was coming up, man, because, like, really, nobody really from outside can really just go into everybody's neighborhood like they can now. Nah. No, no, no! It won't, it, it won't go down. We, you had to be hard. Like we, to come to Maplewood and just chill, we had to know you was hard from your neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you know, on and on. You know, you had to be from that fabric. Like Snow, you know, Curly. You, had, you had to be from that fabric. Sean Allen, rest in peace. You know, you had to be branded from your own block to be able to come to our block and just chill. Yeah. It, it wasn't going down like that. If if not, somebody was going to test you. Yeah, it was. I, I was telling people how it went down. It was a different time, man. Cause Wilson, like to me, like I always say, that time of Wilson was the worst time of Wilson. Just now, the kids might get involved a little bit more gunplay, but they not really like that. Like it was back when we was coming up. Like it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you had to be able to fight and be ready to grab the strap. Man, you know it, it got it got crazy with the straps later on, and. You know, man, Maplewood is one of my regrets, though. Like, I, I love that block. You know, Maplewood Vance, that whole 200 block, that, that whole radius, which is ironically four blocks in the police station. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, I, I, I love that whole block, but it's one of my regrets, man, because, you know, how hard we went over there, man. I've I seen, I remember seeing people move out because of us. 
or, or you know, peek out their door because we on the block and we loud and we out there all night. But it's a nod to what you said because everybody around there were like family. So when we were loud and outside and just going nuts, they could yell out the door, shut the hell up, or, or y'all take your ass home, and it was no issue. You know, but there were a few people that lived there that were kind of like outsiders, and, you know, they had to go eventually, especially as we got older, because yeah. we weren't trying to hear that no more. But the people who were like family, they remained the same. The other people who were like outsiders, they had to go. Right, but you, but you can't regret it though, man. It made you who you are, man. And, and to your your credit, like I don't all the times I came back when to Wilson left, came back, like I never heard your name in no silly shit though. Never heard your name in no silly stuff, yo. No, nah, man. I, I thank God for some some super great common sense, right? I, I think Newark was an outlet for me, and, and I know this sounds stupid, but you know, like going to Irvington, moving to Newark, coming back home, like that was an outlet for me. Um, you know, my step-grandma moved to College Circle, turned that block out too, but, you know, still, you know, being being able to go back and forth and, and, you know, having a big family was a huge outlet for me. So I wasn't forced to be on the block all the time, every day, every night, as I got older. As I was, when I was younger, you know, if it wasn't summer or, or late summer when I was coming back down, hey, it was all love, you know? But otherwise, I had somewhere to be. I had somewhere to go. But I, I say I thank God for good common sense, man, because I understood that, and I'm not glorifying this by no means, but I understood that we weren't supposed to be selling truck. I understood that we weren't supposed to be seen or, or you know, people weren't supposed to know this is what we're doing. Um, a lot of people didn't. And, you know, you know how the story goes. You know, you, you put it out there. People, You want to be talked about. Everybody's gonna talk about you, and what's in the small community, man? So, yeah. you know, I used to say to my homeboys, "Y'all think the police don't have cousins? <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> y'all think they don't have family too?" The, the key, man, I tell these young dudes all the time, man. The key is knowing how to move, man. You can stay out of so much trouble. You can stay out of, um, stay out the way. You can avoid a lot yeah. of shit if you know how to move, man. No matter what That's you're doing, it, good or bad. Um, ironic. If you know how to move, you you pretty much can maneuver to a lot of the bullshit, man. There you go, bro. That that's one thousand. Like that that you couldn't have said that more profound because I because of those days I move like that now. Yeah. Like I ain't so you know uh, uh, I don't know the word. I'm not so anxious to be in the spot. Like I like I ain't, I'm not trying to be up front. Like, I, I ain't trying to put everything on front street. I don't want to know, I don't want everybody to know every move that I make. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, what, one thing that bugs me so much is that, and, and, you know, shout out to people who do this, right? I can't judge you and I can't talk bad about you sharing your, you know, your positive and, and helping experiences because, you know, sometimes when you talk about things that you've done for people, it shines a light and it, and it sparks something and someone else to do something nice but you know I'm not one of those people that I'm going to go out here and share every positive thing I do for somebody and take a picture and a video of it and put it up yeah. you know to me that that's not my style so you know I moved today very similar to how I moved back then and I, I'm not so anxious to put everything out front and, and let everybody know every move that I'm making for what you're right man I, I'm the same way man everything that I do I do not like I do totally the opposite, man. Because to me, 
I believe if it's meant for it to be known, somebody will put it out. I don't have to put it out. I don't have to put it out that I did this for somebody or I helped somebody do that. I don't. I don't. I just. I just. I just don't believe in that either, man. That like you said, teach his own. If you feel like you got to do that, but I, I, I'm just not with that, man. Because to me, I feel like if you, if I got to go record me saying you needed something, and you hit me up, blah blah blah, that, and I, I got to record myself going to your cribs, like yeah, I'm about to do this for P. He called me. You see how I came through. Like I, I feel like I'm not doing it from my heart. That's kind of crazy. Like when you, when you think about it, it's it's kind of crazy. It's almost equivalent to like in, in some cases, not in all cases. I want people to understand. Like don't don't stop doing it if if you're inspiring and, and you're sparking folks to do good out here, and that's your thing. Like that's your overall purpose, and that's why you're doing these videos. By all means, continue to do it until the wheels fall off. But just generally speaking, that's almost equivalent to me and you. Hey, we hanging out. And and then you know when when some when my boys come around that's not really your boys I'm like yeah you know I had to take me I had to get a ticket you know we had the game yeah I had to get a ticket for my man and you know he kind of fell on hard times so you know I got him a ticket we caught side we chilling you know that's my man it, it's kind of it kind of feels like that and that's some sucker shit to me yeah you know I, I'm not that dude and and it, and if somebody had to get me a ticket in that way and I'm just using a, a scenario out the blue I'm just pulling the situation out of my ass right but if I was on the other hand I'm, you know we probably gonna fall out <laughs> behind that <laughs> you're right it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's I'm gonna have something to say about that it's a way to do things man um did you did you did you go all four years to fight didn't you go I thought you went to another school somewhere somewhere in North Carolina fight I went to fight for two for three years. I went to fight for three years, dropped out, went to Wilson Tech, then went to Longburg Institute. Longburg, that's what I'm talking. Cause um, I don't know if it was you or somebody. Cause they said um, man, Joe Button went to Longburg. Yeah, but <laughs> Joey went to Longburg. He was a year before I went though. Okay. But I know I know a lot of people who went there with him. You know, came back a couple times, seen you know, seen him through there. That's one thing about Longbird, man, and that's that's like another family of of great. And um, that was like really my coming out party going to Longbird because, you know, it, it was for b-ball, and by by the grace of God, I met the legendary Gil Reynolds, and uh, you know, a lot of people should look that name up, man, because we we have a lot of legends that we should celebrate, and um, you know, this man changed my life for a second or third time. Mm. And pointed me in the right direction again. You know, he used to tell me, like, Al, you ain't going pro. Uh, don't think you're going pro. You, you ain't got it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but he allowed me to go play in, in those in those real programs and, you know, to, to train on a whole nother level and learn the game to a point where I can't turn it off now. Like, I, you know, I couldn't. I, my eyes are just totally different, man. So I, I thank God for him because... You know, he trained a lot of people. He coached a lot of pros. World be free. Skipping my little, you know, John Sally said. You know, John Sally played for Phil Jackson, but yeah. he said next to Chuck Daly, Gil Reynolds were the two greatest coaches he's ever had. Uh, Mr. King, Bernard King, who I met numerous times, and we talked numerous times about Coach Gil. You know, that was one of his mentors. So, yeah, man, Longberg, man, was that, that's a whole other family for me. All right, no, no doubt, man. Um. And I, and I noticed how you said, like, he, Mr. Gil Reynolds put you on the right path, everything. Do you think that's what's missing from this generation? You think us as older, a lot of people that's old, that are around our age are not giving these young kids game? I think a lot of people are scared to even talk to some of these kids, man. 
Um, yeah, these kids wild for the night. And they, yeah, I, I do think, to, to answer that, I, I do think that's a part of what's missing um, in, in today's society. But, you know, I, I think there are people out there who are trying to do it and, yeah. and who are making the attempt. But, you know, from a sports perspective, right, I'm just going to just talk about the sports and school perspective, uh, um, uh, uh, area for a second. People do it with the intention of gaining something. And that's what I'm seeing the most. Like a lot of these AAU coaches today, a lot of these high school coaches today, like their total, and, and not all of them, but God knows not all of them, because there's some real good brothers out there. You know, white, black, blue, green, they, they're my brothers. There's some real good brothers and sisters out there who are really, like, getting it done. Yeah. But there are also a lot of vultures out there, man, and and the people who are good are robbed of the kids who they they invested the time with and gave them some game, and because of shoes and cars and clothes and money, and you know, they they take their hands off the kids because they're robbed of them, so they don't they don't get a chance to reach them like we once did. You know, when we were coming up, somebody talked to us. They didn't have to give us nothing. You know, they told they were grown and they told us something. Ninety nine percent of the time, we just roll with it. Right. And and you know, if we got better, man. For God's sakes, I mean, we talked about it to the end of the world. You know, they were just the best person in the world to us. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I do, I do. On one hand, I think we're missing it, and then on another hand, I see people trying, and parents aren't as supportive as they once were. But, you know, I also, you know, my mom wasn't really invested in everything that I was doing. Hell, half the time she didn't know I was where I was. Yeah. So I can't blame it all on parents either. But I do know it's a different day. And and I'll say that parents, if, if parents are behind their kids and they're allowing these people who want to do good for their kids to do good and, and to do their job, it's going to work out. But nowadays, if the parents aren't involved, it's going to be a fall off somewhere. And, and that's what I'm saying because the parents and grandparents are a lot younger than they once were by numbers. We always had younger parents. My mom was a young parent. All my friends' moms were, were, were young parents my for the most part. Yeah. But there are more numbers of young parents today. And that means there are more numbers that the multitudes of grandparents are younger. So, you know, it's like the youth watching the youth raising the youth. And somewhere, somebody has to get responsible on that next level in life. Like, my mom loved her to death. Shout out to my mom. And she's just getting responsible on that next grandparent level of life. You know, not not to say that she's irresponsible, but, you know, it takes a while to, to settle in as a grandparent, man. That's like one of the most sacred things and positions in the black community. Right. You know, grandma. Maybe all communities, but just speaking from ours, a grandparent is one of the most sacred, you know, positions that you can hold. So there's a prestige that comes with it. There's an importance that comes with it. But if grandma is our age, like, I ain't ready to, to, to hold that title yet. <laughs> you know, I ain't ready to, to, to watch my five-year-old, and I don't have any grandkids, but I'm not ready to, to you know, ask my kids to bring my five-year-old to my house for this weekend so you know I could take them out for candy ice cream and cake and, and teach them some game and, and show them some pictures and stuff like that I mean 
not not to say that that's the only thing that you do, but I mean, you you know where I'm coming from. Like, I'm not ready to hold that title at at 39, 40 right now. You you right. So you know, grandparents are a lot younger men, and I think that has a lot to do with it, and and, and parents as well, by, by the multitude. You know, they they don't they don't like a. Uh... The mom from Baby Boy. Mama got to have a life, too. <laughs> <laughs> what mama? <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly what's oh, going on. My, my mama's still out here clubbing, too, man. And you're right, man. And then now we're in an era where all the people, they want to work all the time. They get these jobs with Firestone. They barely home with their kid. Um, and, and, and I'm speaking from experience. That Firestone life is is, is something different, man. It get, once you get in that system, it's hard to get out. And I'm glad I got out. Man, you know, that that's what made me say, yeah, I'm going to go to Longburg. Like, when the dude was recruiting us, we were balling. When the dude was recruiting us, I was rusty. And he was like, you know, you got the game to go to. I'm like, yeah, right, man. I'm working. I ain't thinking about going back to school. Like, I just got my diploma. I ain't, you know, I'm good. I got my dual high school diploma at Tech. I'm cool. I wasn't thinking about going to college or nothing. I was probably going to end up, I was probably going to end up being washed up in Wilson. But um, that guy, he said, Dad, surrounding me, was like, you know, go for a trial, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, what made me never want to work, want to work at Firestone, and I thought I did. But this dude was in the gym one day, he was shooting around. You know, he looked like he was about 35 with a receiving headline. looked kind of husky. And uh, shout out to my Firestone dudes, though. They don't, they don't usually look like this guy. But anyway, some random <laughs> dude, he was like, yo, what happened to, uh, he was asking another dude, like, what happened to such and such? And the dude was like, who? He was like, you know, Roger or something. My man was like, yo, man, you've been dead for five years, man. Firestone must be killing you, ain't it? He said, damn, it sure is. Yo, I ain't never forgot that conversation, bro. I said, if, if Firestone got my man behind five years like he just got out, I don't want none of it. Yo, I, yo, when I quit, man, it took me like three months to get my sleeping pattern right, man. <laughs> like, no lie, it took me like three months to get my sleeping pattern right. I was all messed up out here. And, and, nah, man. and I see you how slave to no plant, yo. Yeah, and I see how it, I see how it um, destroys ha marriages too, man. Because you barely home, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's some, that's some, that's some paper to give up, man. That, I mean, that that's a life decision. Right. You know, when you when you looking at the money that you make, you're like, man, I can make eighty, ninety grand, or, or whatever they make. You know, and go hard, or I could just quit and be happy. You know, it don't sound too happy when you're giving up, you know, 70, 80, 90 grand or whatever. It, it, it doesn't sound too happy. And, and if you work there for any time, you've already accumulated some bills and you depend on this income, man. So that's a hard life decision to make, yo. Yes, and that's how people get stuck. Luckily for me, I haven't had no kids yet. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I knew I knew how to maneuver around and get something better paying about the same thing or more. So it, it, that was that was lucky for me. But, um, yeah, that's what's crazy. Like, we, we, we weren't. A lot of us too. Yo, what what thing that kills our area, bro, and our home is lack of exposure. Right. Because we don't we were never told about these other opportunities, like these other jobs that make more money and work a lot less. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was almost like, nah, y'all gonna work in the plant. Like that was the tone of our city. Like go work at the plant. That was the tone of the city, that was the goal. I mean, you know, everybody went to college, but a lot of people went to college, came back, and then went to go work at the damn plant. You're right. A lot of So them. it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, ain't, I, yeah I, I just knew that was a cycle I didn't want to go to, man. I didn't want to be messing around, get late 30s and 40s at, at no plant, man. Nah. 
That, not, that. not for me either, but I don't, I, don't, I don't knock it. Like, yo, if that's your hustle and, and, and that's, you know, that's your goal and, and that's what you got to do to feed you and yours, by all means, go ahead. But, you know, just know there are a lot of other opportunities out there. Right. I mean, you know, management is, is where it's at. You know, professional management is where it's at. It doesn't take four years. And, and even though all my kids are going to go to, to college, and, and my son's getting ready to graduate from state here next year, but, man, I'm not really a proponent for four-year universities for all kids because I coach so many kids and mentor so many kids. I know they're not going to stay in the classroom for that long, but we might can get eight months out of them with some, with some real good guidance and attention and, and, and purpose, man. You know, you might get eight months in the trade out of them, and they can go on and do some great things for themselves and, and, and have a nice life. You know, everybody is sitting in their classroom for four years, man. That's that's a hell of a commitment for a kid who didn't have an attention span to barely get out of high school. And Pete, that's what I t- I say the same thing. I'm glad you said. That. I tell people the same thing. It's these guidance counselors' fault. They sell that dream to everybody that they need to go to college, man. And and, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, probably a good percent, especially my friends in Texas, dog. It's some of them that didn't even graduate high school. That's doing way better than people I know that went to college and everything else, like. Yeah. And not saying that that's the way for everybody, because take you got to be a special person, because it's all about relationships, connections, your grind and your hustle to make it when you didn't graduate high school and stuff, and you end up on top like that. Everybody can't yes, do sir. that, yeah. So everybody can't do that. So don't don't take what I'm saying if y'all listening for granted, like just saying like you can just drop out and do that. It's special people that can do that. They know they know the importance of relationships. They know what they want to do. They got their mindset on the grind, and they know how to get it. Everybody ain't built like that. Um, nah, man, I don't end up in KODs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, yo, I'm keeping it a buck. You, you, you go to Miami University for four years. <laughs> you, go, you, go, you go to a place like K, end up at a place like KODs. That's it. For man. two years, and, and, and you're making a quarter million dollars. <laughs> yeah, you are. <right. laughs> off, off tips. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Like, and 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 that, that the whole college game isn't for everybody. I wish counselors would guide these kids more. Like you said, some people they can make, they don't understand it. You can take the right trade and make just as much money as these people at these plants, so or even more. Like, uh, oh yeah, man. And and that's I don't understand how people. And then some people go to college, they don't got it set right. They come out, and you starting off in debt. You starting off in debt because mm-hmm. Saturday they gonna want theirs, man. I mean, you you know. Man, I, I, I have this whole theory that, that I've written and about black people and the college exposure. And I remember walking through um, some university, I, I won't say the name, but, you know, me and my son, and, and you know, my kids already know, like, if you don't get a, a four-year scholarship, like, we got a couple dollars for them put away, but not a lot. And, I, and I'm talking about not even to pay one year. Like, right. this is just help money. Right. And um, so they know, like, it's scholarship or bust. Number one, and the second plan is community college, right? Which shout out to my son Makai because that's what he did. And shout out to my daughter Jayla who's doing it now, right. and 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 she wants to be a doctor. But you know, it, it's community college, and then the college transfer process, along with the hell of a lot of scholarships, and and then we we might write the check at that point. And, and thank God that we're able. But and and then that's just gonna help too, by the way. But my point is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no doubt. I got this whole theory, man, about about these colleges, and so I always ask, and, I, and I'm going to ask you. I know it's your show, but I'm, I'm going to ask you 
where was your first like real uh, exposure to anything about college? Like, what you first hear about college or or, or were introduced to college? Mm. As a kid, hey man, are you talking about like just college in general, like to or one that somebody yeah, said right, asking me TV to TV or, or at the gym or or, or what? I think it was TV, man. Probably was the Cosby Show, <laughs> or Different World, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, bro, let's keep it a buck. So, I got I got this theory called the Cosby Effect, right? Right. And I'm not gonna get all into it because I plan to write a book about it, and and I think it's that important that we understand what we're doing here. And again, I'm an advocate for education. Right? I'm I'm an, I'm an advocate for people going to get a college degree. I am too. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not an advocate for starting your life in debt. Like I, I told my kids, no matter if you go to college or not, when you when you move out of our house, you need to have at least $10,000 in an account and have your move-in money and enough to pay your rent and everything for the first six months. And you should be able to do that living in our household before you go. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that's a whole other thing. But this, this, the, the Cosby effect is basically the premise that I asked the question, why did a, a, a white network like NBC empower black people to the degree where they gave a television show on prime time, right? Prime time TV, bro. Right, right. Where there were uh, a, a, a black doctor that, that had a practice in his own home, right? Right. Uh, a black uh, mother who was a female partner of some huge law firm in New York City, right? Right. What benefit was it to give the networks a television show like that? Mm. I, mean, I really think about it. That there's, I'm not saying it's a hidden agenda, but I kind of am, right? And, and I'm, a, I'm being a little bit conspiracy theorist about it. But, but basically, my whole premise is that in that era, you're talking 75 to 85, in that era, black people in the United States were what were considered upper middle class or middle class. We were, we were business owners at a much higher rate, somewhere in the 80%. I don't know the exact math right now. We, we were business owners. We were brick masons, uh, lawn, ma- lawn maintenance. I mean, we basically, the people who had paper were black business owners, right? Right. They didn't really work for no factory nowhere, bro. Not the people that we knew that had paper that was from our community. A lot of them were brick masons and stuff like that. Like they owned their own businesses or- Or stores or in the community. Or some hair yeah. or something like that. You're right, stores in the community too, yeah. They go, all supermarket, little small stores or whatever, whatever you want to call it, corner markets or whatever. But in that era, that's when we started understanding that, oh, okay, yeah, we can go to college. And but we didn't understand that we were going to accumulate debt because nobody never talked about debt. Uh, the Cosby Show never really talked about debt. He just talked about getting their kids out. The tone of that show was getting the kids out and sending their ass to college. And then they came with a college show behind that where it showed the college kids going through college experience by having an over fucking good time. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they were having an ultimate good time, and that show ran forever. But my point is. When those shows were at their at their height, even through all Bill Cosby shit that he all them lawsuits he was he, he was getting that 
and all the shit that he was talking to, about with the black community, right? right? I'm sorry, I'm stuttering here. I got so many thoughts on this, and I'm trying to hold some of it together and not talk about it all. But even when he was going through all his shit and talking bad about the black community, because that's really all he did. Let's keep it 1,000. Hey, like, see, the show was great, and a lot but of people... he never really talked positive about black people, right? Right. So when he was going through all of that, we were over here like, yo, I'm going to college like Denise. I'm going to college like Theo. I'm going to college like such and such and such and such and such and such. And we were telling our fathers and our uncles and our dads, yo, I ain't coming back to lay bricks with you. I ain't coming back to cut no hair in here. I ain't coming back to work work on no grass or to work on no farm. But that was the fabric of our community. Like, those were the dollars that held our community together because we worked with each other. We brought other people in. They started their own businesses. We got contracts. We may not got them to the same tune that white people got them, but we got them. And we know how to hold on to a dollar at that point. And we damn sure didn't waste it in a, in, a, in a university. Not that it's a waste, but we didn't spend it in the university getting the false premise of an education coming back and not doing anything with it or not being able to apply it. We didn't do that. Mm, you're right. So it makes me wonder, why would primetime NBC give a, give, you know, give a show like that to, to you know, a comedian? And, and paint that whole picture as if you could do it. And then we started doing it and we started curing debt. So now if you fast forward 25, 35 years, we, we're all going to college now and we're all graduating, but nobody is owning their own business and def- businesses and definitely not at the same rate. So that money that we were bringing back to the black community, guess who's doing it now? The Hispanics are doing it now. And the Arabs. They are who we used to be. And, and the Arabs, yeah. Oh, they're definitely doing it. But the thing about them, that money never circulates in their own community because their communities aren't here. Right. That money goes somewhere else. Where, and, and that's definitely another conversation. You can call me racist or whatever you want. But, you know, that money is going somewhere else for a whole bigger purpose. Because they damn sure not spending it here. Fair. I don't know one Arab that owns a, owns a mart that has real estate or a bunch of houses or some big-ass $400,000 home. I ain't seen it yet. You're right. And, and, and to your point, you're right. that I think that there's a lot of effect. And like I said, to people who do go, go to college and they make it out and they make a way for them, I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm just saying college is not for everybody like they put it off to be. It's not for everybody. Um like you said, to your point, even if you go to Chinatown in the big cities, I don't see a soul food restaurant in Chinatown. Like, I think do not. the black community is the only community that allows other races. Like I said, I'm like, you're not racist, but allow other races to come in and eat off shit we used to do for ourselves. So our dollar doesn't circulate for that reason. Right. It stops at those stores and then it goes from those stores to their communities, wherever in the world they are. You're right. Right. And because of that, we don't hold any power. There's no way in hell we're supposed to have an Abdul Mark on Maplewood, man. Yeah. Because that used to be all. Ain't no way in hell this little building that we threw rocks in ended up being a, 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 a two-hour supermarket that didn't sell anything in there that had any kind of nutritious value to anybody who lived in that neighborhood. The only thing you can get from there that was worth a damn is beer, wine, liquor, bread, Little Debbie's cigarette. Yeah. You're right. And we, they make a fortune. 
We, we, we stopped servicing our own communities. Like I said, it used to be the black, matter of fact, in Wilson. So I remember as a kid coming, when I used to come back home, it was a lot of black owned store owners in the neighborhoods. So most of these bodegas were black owned. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And, and that's that's dead now. That's the thing of the past now. There's no but more. We got the opportunity, bro. Yeah, there's no more it, little Bobbies. Yeah. Huh? I said there's no more little Bobbies, no nothing like that. Bro, why why don't why is it that most Korean folks own hair stores or, or beauty stores that I'll say are dominated by ninety nine percent black people? Hey. It's just like what we said. They they came in and they, they taking that they service in their market because everybody else the people who are just going to college to go to college because they don't realize a lot of people going to college to come out being workers. They're not teaching you how to be entrepreneurs or own nothing. You coming out they to work know. for somebody. That's right. That's right. That's that's the tone they teach. That's the language that they teach. That's the language that they talk. You know? And and we lose ourselves. We've lost ourselves in those universities. Not only have we lost ourselves, but we've also lost hundreds of thousands of dollars that used to circulate in our community be it grants loans or whatever they're still real dollars it's not free to go to college in theory it might be but realistically it's not that money has to come from somewhere right and you gotta sign for it Mm. (laughs) so i mean i don't know man it just it feels like you know when i really sit and think about it you know, all, all the guys who, who were kids of the brick maces and stuff like that, you know, they didn't want to come back after college and do that, man. They started looking down on their parents like, are you doing hair? I'm going to go be some executive for this company over here. Or, I'm going to go work at BB&T or I'm going to be an executive over here or, or a manager over here. And they kind of let go their own, their own, you know, their own businesses. And they chose to do what you just said, go work for somebody. Yeah. So that lineage of people that were business owners just kind of died off or are dying off. It feels like we're trying to get it back right now, though, to me, to be honest. Yeah, but, it is. You know, for for some time there, it, it just died, bro. And and when it died, you start looking at our community and, and, you know, there was the demise of the black community, you know, between that and crack. It was all these things at one time, man. All these different things at one time. Like, I listened to an interview of somebody who said they were walking along the tracks in Compton Back, back when, the, when, the, when the Crips first started, 79, 78, whatever, and they found barrels of, of, of Uzis and 9 millimeters and all of that. Barrels of them along the tracks right outside the city. Who put them there? Yeah, you're right. We don't own no damn ports. Nah, man. So, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't working in our favor. I just think we owe it to ourselves to really analyze all these things because we got to be a power for somebody to be in the positions that we are just a couple generations uh, uh, that left the plantation ago, <laughs> a couple yep. generations ago off the plantation and we're still in the positions that we are. But we can't fool ourselves, man, because if you travel this country, there's not a lot of us. There, there might be a, along the Atlanta slave trade route, meaning the East Coast down through the South, you'll find black people all day. But if you start traveling inward of this country, yeah. <laughs> hey man, you you'll be lucky to find a black face. You're right. Ah, you're right, man. But that, that's pretty much what really happy with rapping with that system, though, man. And uh, and I, that's why I support a whole lot of local business owners, man. 
I just I just want local business owners to hold themselves accountable and, and really deliver what their products. Because a lot of people, y'all say I'm business owner, y'all lazy with your hustle, man. Man, that's a that that's a <clears throat> that that's a hot topic too. You know, I, I was riding with my sons, a couple of my sons the other day. Or, like, or or the other week or whatever, and you know how you ride and, and you see people like acting the fool on the street, you know, looking a certain way, and it, and it kind of, you know, it don't make me turn my nose up, but I'm like, damn, you know, why they acting like that? You know, why they why they looking like that? Why they out here wilding? Yeah. And then I, I I looked at my boys and I said, you know what, my bad, y'all. And I asked them, I said, I wonder, do do I look at my people because these were my people, right? So I asked them, I said, I wonder if I'm looking at my people like that. Because I've been taught to. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, bro, I, I do a crazy mirror check. Like, I'm always checking myself and, and try to dot my eyes across my teeth. And there's a lot of growth that, that I need to apply in me, right, to just be better, period, overall. We all do. But I really wonder that. I really wonder is, you know, because maybe they're just free. Like, they're just enjoying themselves. They're not bothering nobody. It's just being free, don't have a care in the world. And life is great. But here I am riding by in, 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 in my fucking new truck and, and shit like that. And I'm looking out the window and I'm like, damn, look at that. So I wonder, like, you know, damn, am I devaluing my own people based off the, the, the fucking brainwashing that I've been going through? Shit, that's deep. Y'all never thought about it. You, yo, you might be right. You might be right. It bothers me because I don't know. And I, and I know I still love my people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know it's not, you know, a, not a large percentage of us here, but it, it just made me wonder. I'm like, damn, like, maybe I got to, maybe I need to change my perspective on what I see. Or or maybe what I see doesn't deserve my comment in the first place. Like, maybe I should just value that those are people right there and keep it moving. Right. They well, don't need my commentary, so maybe I should just put no thought to it and just keep moving. Right. Or, or sometimes, like I like to do, sometimes you got to go around stuff that we grew up in, man, just to keep yourself grounded and familiar with what's going on. I do, bro. I, yeah. I, man, man, I so do. Like I live off Martin Luther King, like mm-hmm. not not far off Martin Luther King, like basically around the corner of the block, and and we could live different. But, you know, in my house, my wife and I, we got a different perspective. Like, we ain't trying to live for now. And, you know, fuck the $300,000, $400,000 home. It's cool. Shout out to everybody who got them. But, you know, we sold them joints. <laughs> like, we done had a couple of them. We sold them joints. You know, we got a small hundred and whatever thousand dollar crib now. You know, got this joint out, redid it. It still ain't where we needed to be, where we wanted to be. But my baby's 13. And we're thinking about what's going to happen when we can't work any longer. We don't want to be those type of people. And, and this is something for everybody, too, man. And I hope whoever's listening really think about this and apply it to your life because you're not going to be able to work forever. And I don't want to be the 70-year-old or even the 60-year-old that has to continue to work for health care benefit. Right. That ain't retiring. And I, ain't damn, I damn sure ain't trying to work until I'm 80. Mm. So, you know, we've really been putting the emphasis on that and debt. And, and and all this stuff. So, you know, I don't know, man. Just just really trying to focus on what's important, man. Yeah, I agree. Because we, we are taught to spend, 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 not save. And, and that's not really taught in the average black household how to save and well, make your dollar stretch, man. 
That's Even. right. It's reality. Reality versus popularity, man. And that's that's a that's a gut check for you sometimes. Yeah, cause cause a lot of us, man, going to have Sean. There, a lot of us was in middle school and we had cable bills on our name and didn't even know it. <laughs> man, and and that's where it's at. That 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 credit, you know, and and I know the credit ratings have changed and the credit standards are different and all of that, man. But you really, that you really got to pay your bill. Uh, you really got to pay your stuff on time. You really yeah. got to have at minimum decent credit. Yeah. Because having good credit is better than having the cash dollars. Like because it, it gives you the ability to go get all the dollars that you need. Like for example, if you if you have good credit, let's say you got an A on the credit score <clears throat> and you only got two two thousand dollars saved, right? Only two two grand and you lose your job. You're able to go take a line of credit out somewhere that will hold you you know what I'm saying, and, and, and pay some bills with that or to get some kind of credit card or, or to, you're able to make some moves that'll subdue you until you can do better. But if you yeah. only got $2,000 saved, you lose your job, and you got bad credit, you fucked. Yeah, you got a $300 credit score, you out of here. What, what you gonna do with that? Yeah. Like, you talking about a real struggle. I'd rather get behind on a credit card bill than have to clean my savings out or my account out with, with no, no means of, of getting any more income until I find something. Like, that's craziness in 2018. So you got to play their game. Right. Mm. Right, man. That was some deep damn talk, man. But before, yeah, you know what, P? And, and I, I hate we did all that stuff first because we were supposed to talk about this first. I wanted to get on P Real, man. We want to know who P Real was, man. We, a lot of people don't know, you know, P used to rap, man. And the, the clique you was with. How did, that, how did that even all come about, man? Cause I remember when I found out. I think I found out like when I came back home, oh, and it was crazy. It was off the MySpace days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the MySpace days is crazy. <laughs> in, in, in my defense, I ran none of my pages, <laughs> and, and at the time, I ain't know the people who ran my pages. Like that's how hard them Bone Thug fans and them G Unit fans go, man. It's like they did anything and everything for you, and um. You know, man, I, yo, I'm something like Forrest Gump, man. <laughs> I'm something like Forrest Gump, man, because one thing I know, man, if you, like, I really value the word, right? And I'm, I'm going to get into the B-Real talk here in just a sec, but I really value the word and, and those words that God gave us, man. And I really believe this stuff when he say, you know, anything you seek, anything you want, basically, if you want it bad enough, you know, go get it. I've already done it. <clears throat> and I believe that to be true. So I don't think there's nothing that I can't do. Right. So everything that I wanted to do, I've tried it. And if I had the opportunity, you know, close mouth, don't get, don't get fed. So, you know, my cousin was in the rap game, man, basically over there at Death Row. You know, Shug did him dirty. And, and his story was basically he's so cool that he was able to meet people on his journey with Death Row. And, you know, he called him Crazy Bone out the blue. And Craig was like, yo, come through. I, I'm going to be over here. And, and that's how they rocked out, you know, for 20-something years after that. Mm. And, uh, you know, he kind of brought me in. And, you know, man, you start you start doing music and you start hanging out. And, you know, one thing about me, man, I've never been a thirsty guy. So I've I always been able to sit in the room and not say nothing and just chill. But also offer input when asked. And, you know, I don't come across as no food, and I, and I like to think that I carry myself well, so 
you know, respectful people respect that. Right. And they like to have you around when you when, when that's your angle. So, you know, my thing was with this music, I was like, all right, if I'm going to be around, I need to be able to bring something to the table. So when I was around, you know, I found out who was who, and I would cold call Sony. And that's how I wrote some songs for Sony. I would cold call these places and, you know, that, that's just, that's just how I, that's how I move. And if I saw a need for something and I got down with Bone is they didn't really have a, like a, like a tour promo guy, but they always toured. I mean, they had to just keep it, a, keep it a book because they, they didn't take care of their finances early. They're better off now. A couple of them had some assets and things like that, but I was able to find a way to get down and create a job for myself. Right. And that's what I did. Radio promo guy. Every city, you know, I, I, I was already working. You know what I'm saying? I had a job, and my job gave, gave me the benefit to be able to travel. So I would align my, my job travel schedule with the tour schedule. So, yo, I'd be at work managing by day or training the manager, and by night, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm at the tour spot. And, and maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm on the road. You know what I mean? So, you know, perfect timing, man. Perfect timing, basically. Man, yeah, that, that's, that's wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> That, so was was that the height? Was was Flesh and everybody all out during that time? During that period of time? Yeah, Flesh was locked up at the time, uh, working on getting out. Uh, Busy was kind of a wall. Busy was in and out. In fact, I don't even know Busy like that. Like I only met Biz on a couple of a couple of, of, of occasions, mm-hmm. and uh, it was always conflict. And and you know them boys are like brothers, like so. No matter what camp I'm in, if they got an issue and they always had an issue, you know, we let them fight that out. You know, we kind of be on the side and, you know, all our camps would chill, the Mo Thug camp, the Thug Line camp, you know, we chill, we stay out of that. Let them sort it out. And if Biz came around, Biz came around. If he didn't come around, he didn't come around, you know. But at that time, it was kind of like Crazy Bone solo starter. Like, you know, that's when the world got to know who Crazy was. And, you know, he did the song with Cam and, and 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 home fucked him out of a out of a <laughs> he, did, he did something with home and um mm. you know Craig, Craig was just out there working man so you know that that was the time that I was around and it was also that G unit time and people don't know Fifty and Craig they real tight so mm. they they you know they really kicked it a lot so I got to meet a lot of people from that camp and you know kind of finagle those relationships and so I'll be bouncing back and forth and working over here working over there. So man, it, it it was real dope, man. It it was really dope, and it gave me some experiences that I, I wouldn't trade for nothing in the world. Yeah, I no doubt, man. That is a big, you know, what I'm saying a big push, man. That's I mean, you you really can say like you, you ain't leave nothing on the table, man. Early and you like you still young, a, a good age that you still get a whole lot more accomplished. But like you really lived your life, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I feel, I feel like that, bro. But you know. You know what's crazy about that music industry, man, that stuff, man, out of, out of all those people that I met, and, you know, I still talk to people here and there. I don't, I don't speak to Craig. You know, a lot a lot of us fell out for various reasons, usually over money. Um, I, I can say that I haven't fallen out with nobody over money, though. And um, even Snoop, like, I, you know, I kicked it with Snoop for a while, and he's, you know, Snoop, is that, that's a whole hilarious, that's a whole hilarious deal because Snoop had, like, three sets of people. He had, like, I'm, I'm talking management, and, you know, his people that represent him. He mm-hmm. had the professional set of people, and then he had the crib set of people, and then he had some homeboys that he gave a job, and, you know, they some nigga ways to make money, <laughs> make money too. 
Right. And uh, I remember doing a deal for Snoop. And uh, I forget his manager's name, man. He, he reached out to me on Instagram a year or two ago. And I forget the hood manager's name. But I remember doing a deal for Snoop for like 50 grand for a feature, some stock options and something of this new company. And it was a Canadian company, man. And, and I believe to this day, I think that was Justin Bieber. I don't know for a fact. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know for a fact, but I think that was Justin Bieber as he was first starting out as a young boy wow. under his first management company. But I, I don't know that to be a fact. Oh, I yeah. don't know. That was before Usher came through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Four big nose. <laughs> so, because so, I, I, don't, I feel like Bone don't get their credit as far as being pioneers of rap. They came in the game with a whole new style um, that we had never heard of at the time. A lot of people say Twister, but I say Twister was kind of different because Twister was a harmonizing. But uh, yeah. what do you think, what would you rank Bone at in rap groups of all time, greatest rap groups of all time? You know, I, it, that's hard to say because I'm, I'm going to be biased, right, because they're my homeboys, but I, let just let it be known, I hated that shit. Like, I, I hated it. I'm an East Coast dude. Like, I'm a, I'm a backpacker. I, I like most death, and Tribe is my favorite group, and, you know, I'm, I'm from that era, and, and I'm a Nas fan, and I'm a Hove fan, like, Biggie. I'm, I'm from that. That's what I love. But when I got with them bone dudes, man, and and when I really understood what it took to be in the studio, because, you know, I, I remember a time when I got set three songs, and it was like, yo, I need this by tomorrow morning. And it was like, I remember going in the booth, and, and this shit is for the count. Like, this is for the album. And I'm like, damn. Like, that was the first time where, where life punched me in the face as an entertainer, and it was like, yo, you say you want to be, you know, you want to be in this game. Well, here it is. Like, you can't turn in no wax shit. We need, we need, what was it, one, two, three, four verses, you know, two on one song with Cray and Cocaine, and then two more songs by tomorrow morning. Mm. And, you know, I remember banging that up all night, you know, all night. But anyway, you know, it, it's, it's, Bone is, is, when I saw them put in that work in the studio, because at the time they was rocking with Squiz, too, shout out to Squiz, and, uh, and Cass and all of them, they was trying to do the full surface deal. That was around that time, too. But when I saw them boys in the studio and I saw the work that they put in and the energy they put into it, yo, it gave me a whole different respect for them, bro. It mm. just wasn't some dudes rapping fast and and, and harmonizing. Like, it, it was... Man, it's levels to that studio shit, man. And and them boys... Crazy is a mastermind, first of all. Yeah, shout like, out this to dude crazy. is a musical gene. Crazy bonus like Kanye when it comes to that music. Like, his ear... You know, his style and, and, and all this stuff. And if you don't really listen to it, you'll never understand what I'm saying. You're like, yo, Pete just talking reckless. But if you haven't taken the time to listen to it, in my opinion, he births people like, uh, what's some boys from Atlanta who hot right now? Um, Migos? The group. The me- if you listen to the Migos and you listen to 2000's Bone Thug, it's the same thing. It's the same BPMs. It's the same bravados. Yo, it's the same layers. I, I hear it. I hear the seven stacks and the, and the five stacks. Like, I hear all of that. So I ain't saying they got their style from Bone, but I'm saying Bone was the first to do it. So when I rate them as, like, the greatest groups of all time, I have to look at all the failures that they had and the fact that they rolled with Easy. And, you know, we are NWA extended family. Like, that's what I was telling Game one time. 
I was like, yo, you got to put them boys on the album. And he did. No, he got on Spencer Loyalty with them. I was like, yo, you got to reach out because we all NWA extended family. Like, who could argue that? Yeah. I mean, can't nobody argue that. You know what I'm saying? Because them boys, they are ruthless. But, you know, they held ruthless down. To this day, they were ruthless as big as that. So, you know, and they Grammy Award winners. So, man, I got to break them up there at, at least top three. I gotta put them top three in, in no order, and, and I don't know who else I would put up there. You know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a huge Wu fan, so but I just feel like those are different things, though. A like the Wu is different than Bone, and Tribe is different than the Mall. So I, I don't know, man. I, I'll just say top three in any category. Top three, I, I got them in my top six, um, and, and and I don't know how I would rank it, but I I would have Bone. Give me Bone. Of course, Wu. Um, I'm a huge Mob Deep fan, so they in there. Uh, that's, that's just that's duos, though. We we, we can't add duos. You know, they, but they, that's that's considered a group. Mob Mob Deep just having it be right. Yeah, just having a prodigy. That's duos, though, man. That's different. That's so, like EPMD and and Mob so, Deep. You know, so, I can't. I mean, they're groups, but it's just two of them. He's talking about five dudes, man. Like you gotta add them to the the woo category, like. But, but see, if you if you do that, then we gotta take tribe out, man. Cause we really would just uh, P and Q tip. That's four of them: Jerobi and, and uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Man, are we, we, I, I know. Well, are we gonna count Jerobi, okay. man? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you, you kind of can't count Jerobi. Shouts out, right. shouts out to Jerobi, man. Right, man. But but nah, man, I don't count Jerobi, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Damn, I don't know, man. Then I don't know. It's, it's hard. That's, that's, damn, that's hard. Yeah, but I, I got him in my top six, no doubt. Because that East 1999 album is still in my playlist to this date. Damn, that's, you know what? I got I to gotta think about that, man. You're right. I think you're right. But it's, okay, in terms of being pioneers, though. Oh, they do. Well, yeah. here's, the, here's the weird thing, though. All those groups were pioneers, though. All of them. Right. It's unrankable, man. I, I can't, I can't do it. Cause I ain't put nobody over Woo. Yeah, do you remember that first Woo mixtape, man? The mix, nah, not the mixtape. Um, <laughs> but no, that ended the thirty six chambers. I think it, it might have been uh, DJ Buck. Who was it? Man, it escapes me now. I can't, I can't remember what DJ it was that did it. But Woo, man, I. I don't know, man. I might gotta rethink that. Maybe, maybe top ten then. In that case, <laughs> maybe top ten. So, so I know definitely you got Wu as your number one group of all time. I, I yeah, man. Because we never. I, I think so. And, and that's not to say that they're not even my favorite group, but you know, worldwide impact from a group standpoint, something we never saw before. Right. That. That's still like a mystery today. Like, yo, you ain't gonna find 50 people who can name every Wu member. And people walk around here with Wu tattoos. Yeah, you, you're right. I, I, I'm gonna give them number one in, in, off the strength because I'm a big Wu fan too, but I'm, they number one to me as far as red groups off the strength that they, they had Raekwon and Ghost in the same group, man. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that, that's crazy, man. And, <laughs> and Ghost is in my top five uh, MCs of all time, so. 
don't know. Top five with Ghost Fan. I, listen, I'm, I'm a huge Ghost Fan. I don't know if I can put him top five. You, you, don't, you don't like Ghost in five? What? I don't, I don't know about top five. I don't even know what my five is. But I don't know if I can put Ghost in, in my top five. I, I would say Ghost that. in a category of his own, man. I, I would say that because Ghost, Ghost got a couple of classic albums, man. We can go with the Iron Man album. Damn. Supreme right. clientele. Spring, that Supreme Clientel was great. What's the hottest Supreme Clientel or Iron Man? Ooh. That's a tough one, man, but I'm going with Iron Man. Ooh. I'm going with Iron Man. Let me tell you. I don't know, man. Damn. <laughs> hey, man, because, yo, and it's crazy because Ghost was, he was spitting. That's a classic album. But I'm gonna tell you my, yeah. my joint off there was was win awards, man. Capadonna killed that, man. Yeah, that was the hottest Capaverse ever. And he ever spit. <laughs> then he got missing after that. <laughs> he, he did drop that solo album. It didn't do it didn't do too well, man. But yeah, he did drop that solo I album. I liked it. I liked it. Maybe I was just a Wu fan at that time though, because I damn sure ain't listened to it but a handful of times. No, I, I liked it. I liked it too. It just didn't do well as as far as Wu album's concerned, as far as sales wise. It just didn't do well. Yeah, the cat was, cat was kind of the corny woman, member, if, if, if you want to say that. Uh, you know what, I go, I would go with, uh, I wouldn't say, they, I don't, none of them are corny, but the person I really didn't get into was Master Killer, man. I, I never could get into a Master Killer verse, man. That's because Master Killer about 60. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shout out to Master Killer, like, he, yo, Master Killer was, like, the original spitter, though, in them boys, like, it, he was really the dude that, they all looked to him and was like, this dude can spit. Right. Now, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I always thought that was, that was, that was, uh, you know, I thought INS. And Ooh. then, and it, they all kind of had their moment, though, because it used to be Ray and Ghost for me. That's like, to it. the death. That was it. And then I started paying attention to Inspector Deck. And I was like, damn, that boy could go. Inspector Deck has probably got to be the best rapper to start off it, like we we starts off a song. Oh my god! Kills it, kills Kill it. Set the tone, man. But then for a while, then Mef Mef raised the bar. Mef, what? Yeah, he was the hottest. We're coming out when they first came out. As far as the solo acts, when, when it was doing that, Mef was the hottest. But when I go, I'm gonna be honest, man. When I go back and listen to some of the old stuff, it's some bit like Method Man. Go back and listen to what he says, man. It's some bullshit, man. Like. <laughs> Like, but we but we loved it like come on it, like 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 me and Sean was having a conversation about Daz effects how trash that was man when I go back and listen to it man they want the facts like you you see them lyrics and listen to it like yo this shit was trash but we loved it <laughs> it ain't Hey, look, I'm going to tell you, man, it's, it's, it's a lot. It, you, you're right. It's a lot of trash. But then it's a lot of shit that, that be like, I found myself like, yo, this shit kind of hot, man. <laughs> it's so okay, so look, the confession. Here's the confession right here, right? And my kids be tripping off this, right? Because before a football game, yo, this is your motherfucking fault right here, eh? Hey. <laughs> Six, nine, listen. <laughs> hey, listen. Y'all can say what y'all want about me, man. I'm gonna bump that six nine. That shit so crunk, yo. That yeah. six nine made me think I was on the stage with Lil John them again, boy. 
Yo, Patrick Nunn is crazy. Yo, his, his, man, his energy on the songs is crazy. I, that's what I was trying to tell people. I'm like, yo, my, my thing is, because you already know, Hov is my favorite rapper. I'm not listening to Six Nine for the same reason I would listen to Hove. It, it got to be like no, the, the time no. was going right, on. That's right. And, and a lot of people don't can't differentiate it. Like, Yo, man, is that trash? Like it's the time you listen to it. It pump you up. Uh, you know, you, you you about to get ready. To, you, your boys, you coach your boys. You about to get ready to a game. You need something that's gonna pump you up, give you that adrenaline. Like that's what Six Nine do, man. Man, that energy, that boy's energy. I can only imagine what the concerts are like. Man, I, 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 I don't pay. For rap concerts, first of all. So I stopped going. It's like, like what made me not go to clubs? Because, like, it's going to be some bullshit shit to say. But I'm just, I got to keep it above. You know I mean, it's my life. Yo, I ain't paid for clubs for, like, 10 years. <laughs> so standing in the line now, I feel corny as hell. Yeah. Like, not that I want to go to a club right now. But I'm saying, you know, five, seven years ago, when we still were kind of going out. Yeah. Man. I didn't want to stand in no line. Like, I wasn't buying no ticket. I'm supposed to be backstage or, or <laughs> on the stage. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I missed out on a lot of good concerts, man, because I was part of the environment. But right. that 6 9 concert, that kind of energy, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. You talk about getting on some anxiety. Yo, if, uh, right now, everybody who's listening, if y'all ass is depressed, you got something going on. For, forget. Yeah, I, I was about to say forget paying the bill, but I, I'll be biased because I just said my credit just a little while ago. But save up a couple of dollars. <laughs> Borrow for somebody and go to the 6 9 concert and watch how you feel when you come out. Man, you're going to be him, man. 6 9 that energy is ridiculous, man. And, and it's crazy because everything he drops is charting. This is like, yeah. he, he is hot right now, man. It has to, though, because this, this is what they're on right now. They ain't listening to no lyrics. They only yeah. listen to a couple things that they can say, and they, they want to hear curse word and, and, and some, you know, a whole lot of heavy 808 with that, with that you know, with that high end in it and them high hat. Oh, yeah. Spoon, you know. Yeah. If they can get that, they happy. Yeah. They don't care what the song say. Yeah, man. That, that, I think my guilty pleasures right now is that 6 9 and then little Baby, man. I, I I I'm just on six nine little baby right now. Uh, you ain't gonna get me to listen, little baby. Aunt. I ain't messing with you, bro. <laughs> I ain't so, doing so, it. I learned one joint that I might like, but I, look, oh, six nine is my limit. So I'm you, letting it go. <laughs> nah, man. So, uh, I'm already halfway embarrassed that I listen to that. You, you, but I listen to it with good reason. I ain't messing with little baby. You ain't about to have me walking around <laughs> singing that shit. So you don't, you don't like the Drake and little baby track that's on the radio? Hell yeah, I like it. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the problem. <laughs> nah, man, I gotta be easy, man. Uh, I just, I just play the blueprint. When it come on, I keep the blueprint in, in the deck, in the CD deck. I just keep it in there. I mean, not the blueprint, reason without. My bad. Ooh. I keep reason without in the, in the CD deck. Oh. And um, you know, if too much come on, I get to sing in the too much, man. I just hit play, man. Just, you know, bring me back home. Hey, would it be reasonable doubt or blueprint for you? If you had to pick one, I'm, I'm never, I'm never gonna pick nothing over reasonable doubt. But maybe Illmatic, mm. and that's a tie. But I ain't never, I can't pick nothing over reasonable doubt, man. And the blueprint was dope. I, 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 I you know, I 
I liked the blueprint, but I didn't love the blueprint. It had to grow on me. Reasonable Doubt, I loved it and still love it. Yeah, Reasonable Doubt is my all-time favorite J album. But I did love the blueprint, but Reasonable Doubt is that's the bar for me. Yeah, I don't know where I was at in my life at the time, and I, I was—I think I was on the roll with, with Ball real heavy when the Blueprint came out. Matter of fact, I was. So you know, I ain't love it because I, I was making some bullshit music myself, trying to sound like them to appease that fan to sell to sell <laughs> CDs. That's another story. <laughs> There's no doubt, man. So, so where do where do where do PC itself in five years? Man, what you got coming up, man? Man, my primitive focus is is this Reynolds Miller Academy, you know, this homeschool, and and getting these kids in college. Right. And um, it's a, it's a twenty four hour job because you're part mentor, you're part principal, you're part coach, and and it's lives at stake. And um, you know, all all jokes aside, and, and and really, you know, getting a little bit in depth. Like a lot of these kids, they're on the verge, and and I see it. And they could go either way. And when mm-hmm. when I say either way, bro, I'm talking about jail or hell, or the sky's not the limit type deal. Wow. And what I fail to realize is that, you know, we, we I think we're conditioned to look at things as in a in a, in a 24 hour clock. Right, we're conditioned to look at things that way, but for somebody who's going through, time almost stands still. So when people are having problems and having issues, time don't move that fast, man. And they're living it to the fullest every single second. So you don't know what they might do in those slow ass seconds while we're eating dinner or while we're sleeping or we're at work. You know, before you know it, the snap of a finger, you're getting a phone call that says, blah, 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 you know, and 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 I realized that, so I really got to figure out, I really got to do some soul searching myself, man, because I really got to figure out a way to be able to be more involved in these kids' lives and get them the mental help that they need, and, um, so I really, I really don't have a five-year plan right now. I mean, there's a couple of things that I want to do, but I haven't put it into a plan. I just, I just right now, I know what my primitive focus is, and I know I can't take my eye off that. No matter how tiring it is, you know, no matter how, how in, in, engulfed in it I am, um, you know, no matter what else gets in the way, you know, I have to balance it, and and that's just my focus. You know, getting these kids in school and and New experiences, I guess I should say. All right, no doubt, man. And and keeping it real with Pudgy, can they still find you, though? Yeah, man, that's um, WM3G. You know, that that's really what it is. And, you know, KRP Radio is basically, that platform is just something I use to interview people now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, or, or unless I get pissed off and or somebody requests that I have a show, you know, KRP Radio is something that'll always be around because we got like eight years of shows and, yeah. and people still listen to it. So, you know, it's always going to be there. But, uh, you know, my, my brand, WM3G, um, you know, that's that's something where we want to bring more shows to. And, 
you know, I like to call it, it, it to me, I, I want to make it like America, a melting pot of, of shows. Where, so, like, Pablo Chacon, I, we hope to have them on there. Okay. And, and um, you know, RSS feed and, and, you know, get my crew to create a page for you guys, which they're working on right now. So that's mm -hmm. an additional outlet for y'all. Appreciate um, that. For anybody else who wants. Yeah, yeah, it's all love because I enjoy listening to you. And, man, the way I be moving, you know, if you can hold... If you can hold me for that long, you're, you're doing something good. Yeah. And, you know, so so for a sec, let me just say, all right, so WN3G, if, if you really want to have a radio show and you don't have the money and you need a platform and, and you need a way to do it and you feel like you could do it, I'm willing to give anybody a try as long as you're serious about it. There's no commitment. Just have five to ten shows planned. And be organized and, and, and be committed to what you want to do and then there's a platform for you. I can at least do that because we're going to pay for it anyway and we got a whole bunch of blank airtime so we got producers ready to help. But, going to you guys, let me let me big y'all up for a second, <clears throat> right? Because I do a whole lot of serious things in the day, right? And and, and I probably don't laugh enough and I, and I love to laugh. So, just bigging you guys up and, and bigging you up, A, and, you know, not kissing your ass, but I'm just keeping it 1,000. You have the ability, man, to to uh, create some 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 really in-depth thought and and to get people talking about some really in-depth uh, topics and, and discuss these things in a way that doesn't feel so... Uh, um, it doesn't feel so serious, right? And, yeah. and, and, and people, they will... They'll reveal things about themselves in conversation comfortably. And I think you, and I'm just speaking on you, I think you have that ability, and and it's something to be said for that, man, and, it, and there's something special about that, and there's not a lot of people who can do it with that ease and be themselves and offer that kind of, that kind of comfort. And uh, there's something energetic about it. So when I listen to the show, you know, I hear people coming on, and it's just everybody's comfortable, man. They're talking, you know. They're speaking free, and and that's good radio, man. That, you know, that's a great podcast, and that's what the great ones are doing, man. You listen to Button Show, you know. If you listen to Joey Show, everybody to come on there, they're comfortable. Like I listened to the Pussy King while I was traveling. Oh yeah. And you, you see his level of comfort while he was on that show. Yeah. Like he, he was vulnerable, man. He was talking about some stuff that I know I could tell that that man wanted to talk about, that he had to get off his chest. Yeah. And there was no other platform for it. Not The Breakfast Club, not Sway, not none of that. And he went to Joey's show, and, and he went to Joe Button podcast, and he, and he really got it off. So, you know, you're able to do some things that I'm not able to do it, and only the great ones are able to do it. So, bro, take this as serious as you're taking it. It's going to be a wild ride. It, it, it's going to be some times that the Raiders ain't where you want them to be. But man, don't quit. You know, stay in it for the long haul, long haul, keep going, keep rocking, because your content has to be saving lives from a depression standpoint, and I'm, and I'm huge on that. I, I can listen to your show, and I forget all about anything else that's going on, the good, the bad, the happy, sad, and, and I'm locked in, and I'm listening, and it feels good, and, and, and it feels right, and I'm able to laugh and, 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 and voice my own opinion, even when I'm not even on the show. Like, I, I was talking to you and Bonnie and them, 
Well, I was dropped. <laughs> you know, listening to the show and, and knowing damn well y'all can't hear me, but you know that that makes a good radio, man. So you know, big shout out to you, man, and 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 Eddie Hardaway. Y'all chemistry is crazy. Y'all need to take that live too. By the way, y'all got to figure out a way to to get that visually, so so people can see it visually, man. Because y'all y'all energy, the way y'all feed off each other, is crazy. I love it, man. I love it, man. So keep rocking, bro. Hey man, I appreciate that man. And it's crazy you said that because we are talking about that live. It's coming up. We got some other stuff that's coming up too. And uh, yeah, we definitely trying to push, and we appreciate that support, man. You always been behind us, man. You have to do it, man. Yeah. You, you have to do it. There's no, you know, don't don't think about it, man. Y'all got to do it, man. You got to get it done. I'm a fan. I'm I'm asking from a fan. Like I'm requesting it. Um, but I, I will share with you this though, and and I think you guys already got it right. You know, when it, when it comes to this podcasting, you know, if I could offer anything to y'all, I would say don't structure it. Keep it going like you got it going. Mm-hmm. And and radio people will tell you to structure it. They like things structured because everything on the radio works off a time thing. Right. They, they, they need a regular schedule and they want this and they want that. But, you know, you guys fight for that freedom that y'all have because that's a part of what makes your show. If you ever start structuring it and, and, and feeling like, oh, I got to drop on this Thursday at 7 o'clock, that's when it's going to become a job. And if it becomes a job, it ain't going to flow freely. Mm. So if I can offer anything, you know, please keep that in mind. Mm, that's very very sound advice, man. I definitely appreciate that, man. Oh, man. You know and we, we had a great conversation tonight, man. This probably probably is the longest interview I've had since, you know, the one I do by myself. This is the longest one I had, yeah. And I don't like to call the interviews. I just like to call the conversation. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it was, man. And, yeah. and, and I enjoyed it. Like, I, I was, you know, I'm going to come back again, man. And just, you know, when you have, have one on entertainment and just share some of them crazy stories about, you know, one time I had to put a girl in the full Nelson. <laughs> and, and, you know, this this me, too, this me too movement, man. You know, I don't want people to try to get me out of here, man. But, you know, it, it, it was for our own safety. I had to put in a full Nelson, man, and, and, and shove her in the elevator and push some buttons. But, you know, the fans be wild, man. But anyway, yeah. you know, I, I can't wait to come back. Thanks for having me on, bro. I really appreciate it. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. Any words you want to leave us with before we get up out of there? Yo, shout out to everybody out there who rocking, man. Keep rocking. I see y'all. I see y'all doing stuff. I, I don't have a whole lot of time on social media, so that's why you don't see me a lot. I'll dip in and dip out. I, I might be on one day, and then I might not get on on a Monday. I might not get on again until Friday or Saturday, but I do see y'all rocking. There's a lot of people doing some good stuff out here. You know, just keep going, man. Keep pushing. I need y'all to be business owners. You know, I, we need more groups, you know, more collective thinkers, you know, more investors. Get together and invest. Get together and lose some money together, man. Don't lose it by yourself. Right. Get together and lose some money together, and, and you never know what's, what might happen, man. So I, I, I think we owe it to ourselves, you know, to get together and, and, and let's get, let's get, hey, yo, hey, let's get 500 people together and, and everybody put up $100 and then we vote on what we're going to buy. Let's do that. Hey, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm already a step ahead of you. You know that that Cash App group. I already got that going now. I got that going. I actually well, got people yeah to do the Cash App joint. We like investing into each other. But yeah, I'm I'm about there with you now. We we can that's we, crazy. yeah I definitely. Like that. You definitely, gotta let me know what's up with that. Yeah, definitely hit me up during the weekend. I can tell you about it. How I got it structured, man. Okay, bet I'll do that. 
All right. Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody out there rocking, man. One love. All right. No, Dad, drop, drop the websites one more time for the people, man. Oh, uh, com. Check that out. Um, soon it, it will change to WN3G eventually. That's where you'll find a host of other shows. Shout out to my man Rocco P, who always out there rocking. Y'all check me out on, on Twitter at NC Pussy. Um, check my school out, you know, Reynolds Miller Academy, named after the late, great Gil Reynolds. And, and for legal purposes, I had to put my own name in there, not that I wanted to. And, um, you know, shout out to my players, man, my coaches, my staff, all of that. And, you know, it's where we at, man. It's, it's what we do. All right, no doubt. It's the Off the Wall Podcast. I'm Ant, that's P, and we out. One. One.